For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed in his body, in his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which he has given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance to the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. Father, help us today to hear. But Father, I ask that you teach that the words that are heard today are moved by the Spirit of the living God in the hearts of your people. And that, Father, we understand the privilege of being a part of this mystery revealed. That we understand that it was hidden for ages and ages since the beginning of creation. And Father, yet you have chosen the weak to overthrow the strong. You've chosen hmm, you've chosen us, the foolish, to confound the wise. To you, my King, we come to your text humbly, asking for your instruction. To my King and my Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. We are looking at a section basically 1 through 13, that deals with the mystery revealed. And the mystery is the body of Christ, the church. It has never been known before. It was never spoken of. There are little bitty glimpses that you can see in the Old Testament when he speaks that Gentiles shall be redeemed along with the Jews. They, if you go to the book of Daniels, you'll see the 70 weeks of Daniels. And no one told Daniel that there's a gap between the 69th week and the 70th week. And that gap is the body of the redeemed in the body of Christ, what you and I call the church. So what we looked at is that Paul is a prisoner of this message, that we are one. There's no male, there's no female, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no Greek, there's no barbarian, there's no slave, there's no master. There, we are all one. We are equally one in the Lord Jesus Christ. No one has more, no one has less. Okay, the divisions and distinctions that exist in the body of Christ today are all man-made. Okay, God didn't do it. We're all together. So we've, that we have to understand because Paul, when he writes Ephesians, he's five years in prison. And he's in prison for preaching the oneness of the body of Christ. Okay, 
Then we looked at the plan, and we've seen that in 5 and 6. And other generations was made known to the sons of men, has now been revealed. He wanted to show what the mystery. Let me define for you mystery. What is it? Nobody knew. Nobody knew. In verse 6, he says, The Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the bodies, fellow partakers of the promises of Christ Jesus, and it is through the gospel. We started in last week in the preaching of this ministry. Okay, now I want to be very specific here. When you are saved, at that moment, you are a minister. Okay? Don't get excited. Alright? The word is diakonos. It's the word we get deacon from. Alright? And if you go look at what a deacon is, it's a table waiter. Okay? A busboy. That's what a deacon is. Alright? So, when you are saved... You are immediately a minister. You are immediately a servant. All right? Contextually in this text, the Apostle Paul is saying, I am a minister of preaching. I serve by preaching. So what I'm doing right now is I am serving the body of Christ through the proclamation of His Word. I'm making the sense of it. Okay, you can see that in Israel. It's been going on for a while. Read it and then make the sense of it. Guess what I just did? Huh? Huh? I'm seeing a pattern. All right. This preaching ministry, the Apostle Paul starts sharing, I was made a minister. Okay, I was made a servant according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. Listen. One of the things that is amazing to me about the Apostle Paul and the times that I have spent with the Apostle Paul is he was always in a state of shock that God even allowed him to be a servant, let alone a servant that proclaimed the message of Jesus Christ. All right? That stunned him. Okay, first Timothy, we looked last week. I was before a persecutor and a blasphemer. So why would he ever make me a servant? I mean, that that would be the coalition. All right. He counted me worthy. He counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. And he called himself the chief of sinners. All right. He persecuted the church. He arrested Christians. He was holding the coats when Stephen, by the way, the first deacon, was stoned. All right? So these are things that I want you to understand that he was on so far in evil against the body of Christ that even that he got saved was stunning to him. Then made him a servant in that salvation was shocking to him. And then make him a preacher was even more incredible. He was always conscious that he was sinful. And now let me tell you something about the Apostle Paul. He never lost that objectivity. Okay? It says here, I was made a minister. Okay, it's in the passive voice in the original language. You know what that means? I received this. 
Okay? It was, if you wanted to put it in a vernacular, it was done to me. I was sitting here minding my own business and look what God did. Alright? I didn't ask for this. He was divinely called. He was divinely appointed. This I know weighs on his heart and his soul. And Colossians, same time he's in prison. Colossians chapter 1 verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast. And you're not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. Which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Verse 25. That is, the mystery which was hidden from all past ages and generation is now being made manifest. That's what he's talking about, okay? I was made a minister according to the grace of God. Alright? In Acts 26, he's standing before King Agrippa for what? (laughs) Preaching the gospel. That... Jew and Gentile, Greek and barbarian, male and female are all one fellow heirs and partakers into the body of Christ. And he tells Agrippa he was made a minister. So anytime you hear the word minister, the thing you should immediately check into it is servant. It's servant. Nothing more. Okay, now I want you to remember something about servant. I did this, I think, two weeks ago. A servant does not tell his master what he wants to do. That is not a servant. Okay? The servant doesn't own anything. He is a steward. He is a caretaker of what the master owns. And the Apostle Paul, even in Corinthians, last week I shared with you, he used hupitas as one of his terminologies that we translate minister or servant, and that's lower level galley slave. Alright? And you start off as ballast in the bottom of the boat. And then one of the rowers above you dies, then you get promoted up one level of paddle. Okay? And that's the term that he got to use. You know, think about that for a second. The guys who are paddling the boat, they only paddle when they're told to. They stop when they're told to. You know what? They don't know where they're even going. They're just paddling. Alright? So this is his mindset when he talks about this. There's nothing more. Paul says, I am but a servant of Christ. What made Paul a minister? What made him a servant? Listen, it was not his training. Um, If you're really honest with it, he was highly educated and yet all of his education was all wrong. So it wasn't his training. It wasn't his position. It wasn't his oratory skills. It wasn't his education. There was nothing he did or nothing he acquired that made him a minister. The reason that he was a minister was God. Listen, I, I can tell you this straight up. When this church approached me decades ago to be an elder, I resisted for almost four years. I didn't want no part of that. I was having fun pulling wire. Don't bother me. 
You know what? I'll fill in for a Sunday school teacher. I'll do whatever is down the road. I fought it. One of the things I have learned, and I, I knew I was right to resist. It is too difficult to be a servant that preaches, even when he makes you one. He sure don't want to do it if he didn't make you one. I've had people ask me if my one of my boys to ever go into the pulpit. No. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? But I tell you what, if God pushes you into it, go ahead and kick. You can kick for a long time. He'll outlast you. Okay? Again, the context that we're looking at the minister here is a preacher. I think this is one of the big problems that are in the church today. How many are, are there in their pulpit that are not because God put them there? There is uh, the majority of men that I have met with are doing it for a vocation. It's my job. So many who have stepped into the ministry are apart from the call of God. And I want you to think about that for a second. That means they are trying to function without God. Okay? He's pondered that for... They may be able to spin a yarn, as my Scottish friend once said. They may be able to tell a great tale. You know what? I have heard some of the best jokes in the world come out of the pulpit. But I have heard very few that I can say when they spoke... You felt the word of God and it pierced you to the soul. It would be a priest without an office. A pastor with no effect. They wear the mask of the call of God. Don't ever enter the ministry without the call of God. Don't do it. Paul was on the Damascus Road. We all want to do a Damascus Road thing. Paul was on the road and Jesus appeared and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And at that point in time, he says, I will make you a minister to the Gentiles. We all want that. Now, listen, when you get something like that, brothers and sisters, that is a flat out clear leading. Okay, you don't have to debate. Oh, I wonder what he meant by that. Okay, some others are not that clear. Uh, Dr. Olford was raised as a uh, missionary son in the Congo and was really smart. And he came out of uh, the Congo and went to Oxford University in England and engineering. And his service to God was that he would make irrigation motors so that they could irrigate the fields in the Congo. And so he came up with this device now, you got to remember, this is before World War II. And it is called, you know it, fuel injection. And he put fuel-injected carburetor on motorcycles and realized he could make really good amounts of money racing because his would outrun everybody else's. Okay? One night, he was coming home from a race and it was raining very hard and the police wanted to assist him. And so he decided to outrun the cops. 
and he had a trench coat on. He threw it over his license plate so they couldn't see it. He outrun the cops. Of course, he's got fuel injection. And he outrun. Okay, he got home. The next day, he woke up with a cough. And by the end of the next day, he was full-blown pneumonia. You know what the problem with that is? There was no such thing as penicillin then. So if you got pneumonia, it was a death sentence. Took him to the hospital. He laid there for almost a month. He received a letter when he was trying to gain consciousness. And it's... <laughs> The opening statement on it was from his father, who was still a missionary in the Congo. The opening statement stated this. You have only one life, and the only thing matters is what you've done for Christ. After that, he slowly got better and went to seminary. Dr. MacArthur. We all know about John MacArthur. John MacArthur was an excellent middle linebacker in college. And he came home one summer from college and he had aspirations. Maybe I can make the pros. And him and some of his buddies went out in the convertible in Southern California. We're having a great old time. And the guy flipped the car and John MacArthur got chucked down the road on his backside for 122 feet on the asphalt. I and Bill know that asphalt and the human body don't communicate. So he had to spend the next four months laying on this thing that had a hole for his face. So his body would seep out this asphalt. And his dad, being a pastor, came and says, Well, son, you can't really do anything. So he stuck a Bible underneath his face and he says, You might as well read this. And he dawned on him that God says, you're going to follow in your daddy's steps and you're going to be a preacher. Okay? And so MacArthur became a preacher. Now, mine was not that good. I woke up in the hospital being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes after losing three days of my life. Realized that God wasn't playing fair. And he said, when I came out of thy coma, I first things that went through my mind was... You've been bought and paid for with a price. You're not your own. And you're like, poo. So when I finally got my ducks in a row and could function again, I decided I would take this book and I would find all the contradictions in it and I'd beat the Christians crazy with it. That was 35 years ago. I'm still looking. Okay? The reason that I am a preacher is because I have a Insatiable appetite for this book. Believe me, when it comes to teaching and preaching, you don't want to enter into it unless there is no shadow of doubt in your mind that God is calling you. You can share everywhere. But to publicly proclaim and to teach, you better make sure that the Lord has got you. Because the Apostle Paul over and over says, who is adequate for such a task? And those that God uses perfectly never lose the fact that at best we are servants. Okay? When you lose that perspective... Okay, now I'm going to broaden it back out to any ministry, any service that I am doing for Jesus Christ. When you lose that perspective that you are but a servant, you're in trouble. Because let me tell you something. 
your worst enemy is self. The accuser of the brethren will use that to tell you how good and great you are. The accuser of the brethren will tell you how useful you are. You're super. The Apostle Paul telling Timothy when appointing elders makes this statement. A man does not know how well, this is about he has to be married. And then he says, it cannot be a new convert if you're picking an elder. It cannot be a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. 1 Timothy 3.6 Listen, servants, all ministers have one task. One task. We confuse so easy. So God gives us one task. You know what it is? Obey orders. Alright? Listen. God is not looking for creativity. I'm living proof. Alright? He longs for one thing. Obedience. The Apostle Paul was made a servant. When you lose that perspective, then you will lose the power. He makes a statement there. It's according to the gift of God's grace. Do you understand that? It wasn't earned. It was grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It was given to me. According to the working of his power. Once you lose the perspective of being a servant. Then you lose that power. Listen, I've experienced that power. I I can give you time in and time out. That I got thrown into a situation. Had no idea what was happening. And I, I remember I had flown from Denver, Colorado. To Moscow, all right, Russia, got on a train and r- was overnight in a train to Orel. All right, I get off the train. All right, I got 22 hours that I have not slept on something that wasn't moving. Okay? And I get there and I to say bleary-eyed is an understatement. And the guy walks in and he looks at me and he says, Get your clothes changed. We have worship service and you're preaching. What? Yeah, you're up. What? I can't even think. You know what? I took a text that I knew. Actually, it was out of the book of Ephesians. I took a text that's very dear to my soul. I preached that. And this lady came up after the service weeping. And through a translator, she says, I have always struggled with that text. And God sent an American here to show me that. And I thank you for being obedient to God to show me. Okay? Stephanie, my secretary, can tell you emphatically that I am not a planner. And I couldn't have planned that. And God said, here we go. It is according to the grace of gift. This grace was given that I should preach. Okay? Please understand this. It is nothing he did 
nothing he could have done, and it is definitely nothing that he had earned. Nothing in any way, shape, or form. It was given to me. The master told the servant, this is what you're going to do. People ask me, he says, Duel, do you believe that you're going to, that the church is going to go through the tribulation? I said, nah. And he said, well, and they want to argue with me. And he said, well, this says this, and the church has to suffer, and this, and I said, I got news for you, I'm not going through the tribulation. I said, if you want to go through the tribulation, you go through the tribulation. I'm not going to. And he says, why? I says, because I'm not going to shut up. And they kill people who preach the gospel, so I may be a very short-term tribulation. I'll go up to Antichrist's door. Jesus sent me. And he can kill me, but that's all right. You understand, for a Christian, that would be a reward. Listen, God wanted someone to preach. God chooses who he, His preachers are going to be. And as long as that preacher keeps that mentality that you see at the end of verse 7, according to the working of His power, then you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Divine power works in the servant's heart. As soon as the servant... That person begins to think of himself as more than that. He forfeits that power. You got that? You're clanging gong. Remember when I started in to the book of Ephesians and I showed you chapter 1? I said, do you realize that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies? You have complete, unfederated access to God's bank account. You got that? Okay, so what does God own? All right, that's the resources and the riches that you have access to as a Christian. Here's the problem. Once you start thinking that it's you... And you start getting away from the service mentality. You forfeit the checkbook. You still have the riches. But you got no way to tap into it. How many of us have done that? God will release his power to flow through his servant. Until he or she exalts themselves. Once you lift yourself up. You forfeit that. See, you're competing with God. Once you compete with God, guess what? You forfeit His power. That's the end of the ministry. You may get a lot of crowds. You may get a lot of accolades. But there is no power. I told people, and I still to this day stand to it, I've been the senior pastor here for 24 years, and every time that I walk up here, my palms are sweaty. Okay? I don't like doing this. It makes me nervous. Right? And I've already told everybody that the first time I can walk up here and my palms ain't sweaty, that's my last message. I'm done. Because that's when I start thinking that I can do it. And the day that I do that will be my last day. I can't lose that perspective. Listen, here's the perspective. I am a sinner. And I know that what I am is by the grace of God. 
I am unworthy of such a calling. To serve God, the creator of existence? The day that you start thinking that you're worthy of that, you're useless. If we lose that perspective, the power will be gone because you will lose your dependence. And I don't care how long you've known Jesus. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care what your educational background is. You are dependent. And if you do lose that, then you are useless. You need to go sit down and take a break. So Paul tells us that he's a servant by the grace of God, a gift of God. He has made me a servant. Then verse 8. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. As long as I see myself the least of all servants or of all saints, then I'll know the effectual working of his power. I've told people many times over I've, in, in the past, I've tried to help people with marriage problems and all the rest of them. I take them to Philippians and it says, consider others more important than yourself. Do you realize that if you did that, you will never have a disagreement ever? Okay, even when you're right, you don't have to worry about it. They're more important than me. Now, I'll just go try it. What keeps that power flowing is humility. And that is expressed in 8 that I am very the very least of the saints. When you think you've arrived, when you start thinking that you are spiritual, then brother or sister, you are in a real trouble. Okay, that's what happened in Corinth. That's read First Corinthians. You think you're spiritual? How many times did Paul say that to them? And look at what they were doing. When it came to spiritual gifts, you lack nothing. Humility is what maintains the servant's heart. People ask me, and I've told you this over and over. Humility is the complete absence of pride. You can't have any pride. Humility can't exist alongside. That's what lets Christ rule our lives. That's what allows Christ's power to flow through us. It's humility. Now listen, I'm going to give you a footnote here. Alright? Between you and me. Alright? I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes... I'm not willing to pay that price. Okay? And you can say, oh, my pastor's not willing to be humble. My pastor's not willing to be a servant. What do you mean? Don't worry about it. That's okay. Because sometimes you're not willing to either. That's why we have the body of Christ to encourage each other. Sometimes we worry about reputation. Sometimes we worry about comfort. Sometimes we worry about honor. Uh, we personally want to charm people, to sway people. We want them to absorb our opinion. And that's when we get ourselves in the way of the power of God. As soon as the heart grabs self-ambition, self-glory, then the servant's heart is lost and humility is gone and the power is cut off and it is over. Paul is saying, God has called me to preach. As I see myself as the least of all saints, 
then you understand that Paul's humility was real. I know that I am a sinner. I know that I haven't arrived. I was telling the Sunday school class this morning, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. But it adds to excitement because I keep reading and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Those that think they don't sin anymore would have a real tough time convincing the Apostle Paul of that. He considered himself less than the least of saints, the chief of sinners. The mystery that God would let him preach, he never understood that. Okay? So you and I are ministers. We are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how long you've known the Lord. I don't care how long. It doesn't matter. We are part of the mystery that God has revealed in the body of Christ. Each of us have a task that the Lord wants you and I to do in the body of Christ. And you know what? I've never really got a handle on that. I never understood that. I'm going to give you this thought, and then I'll be gone for two weeks. Okay? What did he want preached? The unfathomable riches of Christ. That is not one you just walk into. For the preacher, it's stated right there. What are we supposed to do? Okay? But, you have to wait two weeks. And I'll be back and I'll deal with what those riches are. Okay? And if I don't come back, go read about them yourself. Because <laughs> I found them. Remember, the true servant is the least of all the saints. Okay? It's good stuff. Let's pray. Father, I come before you every day trying to get a hold of what this grace truly is. Help us, Lord. Help every one of us to be servants. Help us to rejoice that first and foremost, you saved us. Then, Father, by your grace, you have tasks for each of us to do. Father, let us be sensitive to you and what you are calling us to do. And that, Father, may we with eagerness, like, like new puppies, be enthralled with the, just the desire to do what you've asked. Father, your ways are not our ways. Help us to absorb that. But help us to uh, rest in that, Father. Help us not to lean on our own understanding. But, Father, in all of our ways, acknowledge you. To you be the glory and praise. In Christ's name, amen.